Our scripture reading for this afternoon comes to us from Acts, Acts chapter 15, beginning at verse 30 and reading into verse, uh, chapter 16 to verse 15. So Acts chapter 15, beginning at verse 30. This is the beginning of Paul's second missionary journey. Hear now the word of the Lord. So when they were sent off, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered a multitude together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. Now Judas and Silas, themselves being prophets also, exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. And after they had stayed there for a time, they were sent back with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John, called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Then he came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium, and Paul wanted to have him go on with them, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with them, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of the, that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, 
Come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. This far the reading of God's holy word. And in connection with this, I would like to read from the Heidelberg Catechism and Lord's Day 25 regarding the sacraments. It's on page 53 in the back of your Psalter. Page 53, uh, Lord's Day 25, and question 65. It asks, Since then we are made partakers of Christ and all his benefits by faith only, whence doth this faith proceed? From where does this faith come from? The answer is from the Holy Spirit, who works faith in our hearts, by the preaching of the gospel, and confirms it by the use of the sacraments. Question 66 asks, what are the sacraments? The sacraments are holy, visible signs and seals, appointed of God for this end, that by the use thereof he may the more fully declare and seal to us the promise of the gospel, namely that he grants us freely the remission of sin and life eternal for the sake of the one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross. Question 67. Are both word and sacraments then ordained and appointed for this end or this purpose that they may direct our faith to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation? Yes, indeed, is the answer. For, that, for the Holy Spirit teaches us in the gospel and assures us by the sacraments that the whole of our salvation depends upon that one sacrifice of Christ which he offered for us on the cross. Question 68, how many sacraments has Christ instituted in the New Covenant or Testament? The answer is two, namely Holy Baptism and Holy Supper. Our focus for this afternoon then is on Acts the, the 16 and specifically the verses 11 through 15, but we'll also take into account the context which we have read. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So if we are saved by grace through faith, and faith is not our own work, but the gift of God, the question is, how do we receive that faith? And that's what the Catechism here made us think about in question 65, and the answer it gave us is that it comes from the Holy Spirit, who works that faith in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel and confirms it by the use of the sacraments. And that's what we see also in this passage with Lydia, where it says the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And so our theme this afternoon is the means God uses for, used for Lydia's faith. The means God used for Lydia's faith. We want to consider first that the Holy Spirit determines where the Word of God is preached. Because if God uses His Word to produce faith in the hearts of His people, he also determines where that word is preached. 
And here Paul and Silas had started off on, their, on his second missionary journey. And in Acts 15, verse 36, we read how Paul wanted to go visit the believers where they had preached before to see how they were doing, to encourage them. And as they were traveling later in Acts 16, verse 6, we read that when they had gone to, through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, it says they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Then in verse 7, it says, after they came to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. And so they continued further and ended up in the coastal town of Troas. Now the Lord, He leads in such mysterious ways. Because how many people would have lived there in Asia, uh, to the north in Galatia? But now Paul and Silas, they end up in this town of Troas. It's a coastal town in the very west end of, of Mysia, the west end of the country, you could say. It seemed like they reached the end of the world and almost like they run out of a mission field. They have nowhere to work. They wanted to go north, but the Lord said no. But then in verse 9, Paul receives that vision. A man from Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And then verse 10 says, Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. And so then they sailed across the Aegean Sea there, and after a few days came to Philippi, which is the first city in the area of Macedonia. So we can see that the Lord, He, he opens doors of gospel witness that, that, we do not, um, that, we, that we do not see, where we do not see them. But He often also closes them in places we think we should go. Because how many times have we attempted to go with the intent to share the gospel in a certain area or even a certain, wanted to go to a certain part of the world, but there was no opportunity? It's like the Lord closed the door. How often have we wanted to go to a mission field, but our plans have been providentially hindered? A number of times we have wanted to say, travel to Africa or different places, and yet the, the, the circumstances at that time just prevented every plan that you tried to make. But then at other times, in places where and at times when we least expect it, suddenly God brings you into contact with a person who's asking about the Lord. Here, the man of Macedonia called out and pleaded for Paul to come to Macedonia to help. To help with what? To declare to them the word of the Lord. We'll also be referring to the canons of Dort. And here, Head 1, Article 3 says, That men may be brought to believe God mercifully sends messengers of these most joyful tidings to whom He will and at what time He pleases. And so here, they were staying in that city for some days, and on the Sabbath day, they went out of the city to the riverside, it says, where prayer was customarily made. Verse 13, and they sat down and spoke to the woman who met together there. And so the Lord in His wisdom made Saul 
Paul and, and Silas travel over 1,200 kilometers, probably on foot, a trip that might have taken months, and he providentially, providentially led them past many, many, many people through the land. He made them sail across this Aegean Sea to end up in a little Roman colony in Macedonia so that he could bring the Word of God to a few women sitting here by the riverside. What does that teach us? Well, first I would say it, it teaches us not to despair of God's mercy and of God's goodness. If he brought Paul and Silas uh, all the way across the known world at that time uh, to teach a few women, will he not then also come to you if you call upon him? Is it your desire to know the Lord Jesus Christ? Is it your desire to know God that who, who says to know him is eternal life? But then secondly, be thankful. Because if you are in a place where the Word of God is preached to you, then give all the glory and praise to God because He is the one who sent it to you. But then thirdly, be diligent in hearing God's Word. Are you found in the place where prayer is customarily made like these women? Are you often found in the place where people gather together to meet, to worship the Lord? Is that the desire of your heart, the prayer of your heart? Do not neglect the gift of the Word that the Lord gives us, lest He takes it away, lest He removes His candlestick. Revelation 2 verse 4 said, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen and repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And in Amos 8, verse 11, he also warns that he will bring the famine of the Word. He says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. If we neglect or misuse the word of God and the preaching, God warns us that he can and will remove the work of his Holy Spirit. And a church can be dead without the saving power of the Holy Spirit without the presence of the Spirit in the midst of it. Are we still seeing the Lord's work in our midst? But then fourthly, be much in prayer for His Word to be preached. Because I don't know about you, but I was certainly reminded how quickly God can remove me from being able to preach the Word to you. Because if God sends his messengers to whoever he pleases and at whatever time he wants, that means he can also take them away at whatever time he pleases. We're nothing more than earthen vessels. We take the teapot out of the shelf and we use it and we clean it and we put it back. God uses his servants. He calls them earthen vessels. 
And he can put me back on the shelf anytime he pleases. Are you praying that God still has a use for me here in Langley? That he still has his word in any form here in Langley? And that God's word will still come to you with the power of his Holy Spirit? But then secondly, the Holy Spirit works faith through the preaching of the word. In verse 13, Paul came and sat with the women that met at the riverside and spoke the words of God to them. And verse 14 says, Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. God here, he singles out this one woman. He tells us she was a businesswoman who sold purple cloth. She was from the city of Tyre. Tyre is later mentioned in Revelation 2 as well, one of the seven churches that the Lord warns about their sins. So a church was planted here. Maybe this was the beginning of it. And we're told that she worshipped God. But then God shows what he does for her here. In verse 14b, he says, The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. All these women here heard what Paul said. But Lydia heard. Intently she listened. And it says, the Lord opened her heart to heed, to attend to the things that were spoken. That means she responded to that word with faith. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Romans 10, 14 says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Paul and these other men were sent by the church. Chapter 15, verse 30 says, God sent Paul to preach his word through his church, sending him. God sent His Holy Spirit along with that Word to work that faith in Lydia's heart to believe what she heard and to respond with faith. So how do we hear? How do we hear God's Word? And how do we respond to it? Is our heart changed? Is our heart opened to the Word of God? We are commanded to believe and to repent to respond in faith. And God says that all who do believe the gospel will be saved. Again, the Canons of Dort, Head 1, Article 5, says unbelief is our own fault. But faith is the gift of God, Ephesians 2.8. And that the gift of faith comes from God's eternal decree to save those whom he has chosen. God who works all things after the counsel of his own will, Ephesians 1, verse 11. And again, Canons of Dort, Head 3, 4, Article 6, God gives that faith by the operation of his Holy Spirit through the preaching of his word. That's what 1 Corinthians 1 says, For since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save those who believe. Not that, the, not that preaching is foolish, but that it's a simple, ordinary means that God uses to save those who believe. The world considers it foolishness because they pursue after their science and their own wisdom and yet cannot find God. 
And again, Article 7 or 11 explains that God causes His Word to be preached, and God powerfully illuminates their minds by the Holy Spirit to rightly understand and to discern the things that the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is one who opens the hearts that are naturally closed to God. God softens our hearts that are naturally unwilling to hear His Word. Maybe you can relate with that. The time in your life where the Lord softened your heart to His callings and opened your heart to understand what it meant. And you, instead of resisting Him, you were drawn to Him. And you saw the light in His Word. And so do we we recognize our need for the Holy Spirit to make our hearts receptive to God's Word, even after salvation? Because how many women here heard, heard Paul preach? It only records here of Lydia at this time. Her heart was open, regenerated by the Spirit of God. Her mind was illuminated by the power of the Holy Spirit to to understand and to discern the things of God. Lydia came to the understanding by faith that Christ died for her sins, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, and that the blood of Christ was applied to her heart, by faith, that her sins were removed and washed away, that the righteousness of Christ covered her in the sight of a holy God, and that now she could stand reconciled to God the Father for the sake of Jesus Christ who shed His blood. That was what was communicated to her through the preaching of the gospel. This is what was applied to her heart by the Spirit so that she could believe it for herself, And so faith was worked in her heart by using the means of grace, the preaching of the Word. So what can we learn here? Well, first, we must gather regularly for worship and to seek God. These women came together regularly to learn, to ask, how is it that we can be saved? How can I grow in my faith? We gather for many events in our in our time, and we're very busy in our lives, but do we give priority to the most important thing in our life, the salvation of our souls, by which we and our children must be saved through these means that God has given? But secondly, pray often for God to bring this Word to you in whatever way possible. God sent a preacher here to Lydia, They were told, go into all the world and preach the gospel, teaching them and baptizing them. And we travel the world for many reasons. God sent this man across the world to bring his word to Lydia because she needed to be saved. God had determined to save this person. And so God feeds your soul through the preaching. Do you pray for that? It pleased God. It's His will to save people by these simple means. As churches try many things nowadays to attract or keep their people, but God saves through His Word. And thirdly, pray often for the Holy Spirit to apply that Word to your heart. Because it's God who opened Lydia's heart. You cannot produce your own faith even though God commands us to believe. You cannot open your own heart to understand the things of God. 
I cannot do it. Paul could not do it for Lydia. But God did. And if you find you're stuck, if you cannot believe or don't want to believe, or you cannot understand, call upon God for His Holy Spirit who promises to give. Pray for the Holy Spirit to open your heart to hear, to understand, to pay attention, to heed, and to respond in faith. But then thirdly, the Holy Spirit also strengthens faith through the Word and sacrament. Because here we see in verse 15, that when she and her household were baptized, so she was also baptized. The sacrament of baptism was given to strengthen and to confirm her faith by using the symbol of water to point him to the work of Christ, to show with that visible symbol how Christ forgives sin. Now, baptism there was there to confirm the word that was preached by Paul earlier. And it says her household was baptized, all the members of her household, which included in those days slaves and extended family, and they all were pointed to Christ and to the promises in that gospel that those who believe will be saved and those that, who do not believe will be condemned. And this is where we can turn to our catechism again, question 66, what are these sacraments? The sacraments are holy, visible signs and seals appointed of God for this end that by the use thereof he may the more fully declare and seal to us the promise of the gospel. That is, that he grants us freely the remission of sins and life eternal for the sake of that one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross. And question 67 asked us, are both word and sacrament ordained and appointed for this purpose that they may direct our faith to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation? And the answer is yes, indeed. For the Holy Spirit teaches us in the gospel and assures us by the sacraments that the whole of our salvation depends upon the one sacrifice of Christ which He offered for us on the cross. And here we can see the evidence of Lydia's faith. For one, God records us what happens in her, heart, in, in her life and heart. And we can see Mark's beginning in her life already. She desires this seal of baptism in Christ's name. We can see here how she desires to hear more of her Lord and Savior. She asks the apostles to come and stay. If you've accounted me faithful, then, then, then stay. And her faith longed or displayed a love for the brethren. Her love for these preachers of God. There's a bond of fellowship with those who came and brought her the word of the Lord. And we see her love for the souls of others already as well, her de a desire to have her household saved as she had her household baptized and brought under that covenant sign and promises. And she invited the apostles to stay. And this was not just for tea and coffee and a talk about the weather. This would include the preaching of the Word to her family. She was intent to lead her family in the fear of the Lord, calling them to faith in Christ. And so that is why the use of these means are required. Article 17, again, of the Canons of Dort, the means of God's Word and sacrament are required for producing and strengthening a faith. And that's why it's essential that we use them 
and used improperly. And we can compare that to the natural things in life. God is the one who gives us life and health and strength, but we still have to use the natural means. We must work, we must eat healthily, we must exercise. If we ne neglect these means, we will certainly die. If we want a good job, we need to use the means of learning for that work, even though God is the one who gives us all things. We use the means of medicine. If we don't make use of the doctors and the medicine, we will, it'll cost us our life, even though God is a great physician who can heal miraculously as well, but He's pleased to bless the means. We need the Word and the Spirit of God to heal our soul sickness. And the remedy for spiritual death is found in Jesus Christ. His Word and His sacraments points us to it. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so God has chosen to work faith through these means. He regenerates sinners through the seed of the Word that is sown and planted in the heart by the Spirit. It's planted by the preaching. It's watered by the preaching, as Paul and Apollos were. But it's God who gives the increase. It's like the farmer has to go out and sow the seed, and yet God is the one who causes it to grow. And if we neglect the means, if we do not go out and sow our crop, if we do not go and place ourselves under the means of grace, we cannot expect to have a harvest. We cannot expect to be saved or to have our faith strengthened. If we neglect to worship services, we deny God the glory that He deserves. If we neglect the worship service, we're rejecting the call to worship, and we deprive ourselves of that spiritual nourishment that God is providing through the watering and the feeding of His Word. If we neglect the worship, we despise the gift of His Word that He sends to you at this time. You despise the candle of God's light that He still chooses to shine upon us. And if we were just living on scraps today, how will we survive if God chooses to remove His Word from us? But His Word and sacraments are God's means of strengthening. We see that in Acts 15, verse 41, where it says, Paul went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. And 16 verse 5, it says, So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. How? Well, as Paul and Silas and Timothy traveled through these cities, it says, they delivered the decrees for them to keep. That is, that was determined by the apostles at the Jerusalem council to, to show them what was expected of the Gentile Christians, how they were supposed to live. And so they explained the word of God to these new Christians. And the result was that the churches, plural, were strengthened. Strengthened means here to become firm, to be resolute, firm in conviction of the truth and faith in Christ. And the focus is specifically on the assemblies, the churches. God builds His church around this world, His bride, His body. It's made up of individual members, but the focus is on the one body of Christ. They increase they abounded in number, people being added to them daily, being incorporated into their fellowship. 
and the faith of the churches was strengthened. Canons Adore, Article 17, Head 3-4 says, The more readily we perform our duty, the more eminent usually is this blessing of God working in us, and more directly in his, is His Word work advanced. If we are faithful as a church, diligent in using the means, God is also faithful to bless those means richly. If you treasure the means of God, and if you delight in His ordinances, it shows that you delight in God Himself. And Christ delights in His own bride. He delights to meet with His own people. Read the Song of Solomon of the love of Christ for His people. And so again, we can draw a few applications from this. First, rely on His Holy Spirit to illuminate your heart with the Word of God. John Owen said, never open your Bible without expecting God to speak to you. And he also said, never open your Bible without asking the Holy Spirit to illuminate your heart by it, that we would understand it, that He would bless it, so that this Word will be a light to our path and a lamp unto our feet. Second, pray for the Holy Spirit. Every point has this, pray for the Holy Spirit. Never read your Bible without praying. Never attend church without praying for the Holy Spirit. Never enter the Lord's Day without praying for the Holy Spirit. Use this Saturday night prayer meeting that I've asked you to do to prepare you to hear the Word of God, to ask for the Holy Spirit, join together to plead with God to come over and to help us, that His Word would be effectual in our midst, to bless His means to our soul by the Holy Spirit. Third, use the means of grace. God uses the means of grace, and that means that we must too. If God uses these means for the salvation of His people, we must use these means for our salvation. God ordained and appointed and made the means of grace for the very purpose of producing and strengthening faith. And that tells us that there's no other way. And without it, we will not receive faith or the strengthening of it. But with it, God is pleased to save. And that is what we must use to have God work faith in us and in our children and to firm up that faith so that He would perfect and establish and strengthen and settle you, Peter says, in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.